Welcome to the Five Star Life Show, your home for content related to education, parenting, and changing wrong mindsets so you can live a five-star life. I'm your host, Coach Seth. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I'm joined in studio today with a couple special guests. If you listened last week, uh, had our very own Brie Larson, our curriculum specialist here at Five Star Life, on with uh, a great guest from the Elkhart Juvenile Detention Center. Um, this week, we have a special guest in studio, uh, Dr. Brunsma from the uh, St. Joe County Juvenile Justice Center. And uh, he is, uh, we, we have, we're going to have a lot of fun because he has a, an incredible background working with kids in detention. And so we're going to dive into all kinds of things. Uh, Bree, welcome to the show. Dr. Brunson, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Two in a row. Thank you. And if you just tuned in, I want to encourage you, if you're new to the show, go to fivestarlife.org to learn more, to get involved, run a mission to change culture. And I'm at the table in a studio with people that are doing that. They've dedicated their lives to it. Um, so we'll jump right in. Um, Dr. Brown, I'm not sure if you remember this, but uh, when we were starting out Five Star Life 18 years ago, um, you know, we're, we're talking to public schools. We're, uh, somebody said, you should talk to, you know, uh, the folks at the detention center. And so we sat down with you. Do you remember this conversation? I totally remember the conversation. I totally <laughs> remember my advice to you after hearing what you wanted to do. So go, I, I want to hear your version of this. This is well, my version, my memory, which is, you know, failing in my old age. That's impeccable. But, um, I basically listened to you. I really liked what you had to say, but I told you all that you should start first with the lower risk kids, see, cut your teeth on that, see how that goes for you, and then uh, come back and talk to me about it. So, so as, a, as a young man, as a young leader, uh, a part of a nonprofit organization, which it's a passion project, right? This is passion this is you're you're doing the research you're you're just trying to do your part to change the part of the world that you can affect mm -hmm. and i remember thinking man i i love this guy he seems like he believes in us but he just told us no <laughs> and it was some incredible advice looking back now uh that we got to go and focus on what we could do in the public schools and really building the foundation of the program and we were faithful to circle back about 17 years later and say, okay, we've got some data. We've got a long track record here. What do you think? And the rest has kind of been history. So it's been fun. Exactly. And, you know, it was really nice about it when the staff, we need, I needed to do something more. And I was pressuring the staff a little bit and challenging them about what more would that look like, especially since when we have children come into detention, they're there for, most of them are there for a very short time. So you're trying to short think about- Short time as in? Well, anywhere from 21 to 28 days on average. Um, now that's an average. So you have some children, depending on their court hearings, could be there over a year. But then some could be there like 24 hours. 
So you're trying to figure out a way to be very impactful in that short amount of time. And then the other side is, you know, we have about 100 youth that we supervise on probation. And we're very uh, diligent about what kind of services do we provide the children and the family. And we have them longer. And I was like, okay, uh, when they presented the five-star program, when you guys presented it to me, I said, oh, we can do all of those. Like, we can do this, you know, it can go a whole year if we needed to go a whole year. And we would see, you know, what the impact would be. But you're doing it within a milieu that's very structured in detention. And then you're doing it where it's not so structured, but you're wanting to see what the kids get out of from week to week when they come to their, you know, programming. And it's interesting because I get to see both on a regular basis. So I get to see what happens in detention. I also, right across from my office is the conference room when the kids come for the programming, five-star programming every week. And so I hear you on the recording, <laughs> you know, from my office and everything. Okay, that's, that's going, you know. And I'm very encouraged because um, we work only with mandated populations. Sure. And what I mean for your audience is there's populations that we service that don't necessarily come to us for service. The judge tells them this is what they have to do. And it's a harder um, group to service because you have to first motivate them sure. to see that there's a change that needs to happen. You're saying the group that's mandated is harder than the group that's not mandated? Absolutely. If you come to me like I'm a psychologist by trade. In private practice, it's great. Someone comes to you and they're hurting and you want to help them. And they know they're hurting and they're going to work hard not to hurt. Okay. And they get past it. They're very motivated to get out of pain. Voluntarily coming to you, yes. taking time, sacrificing time because they and, want and to make paying, progress. And paying a guy. Pain. To help them, right? Right. This is a little opposite. There's someone else telling you, you know, you need service. And by the way, you got to show up. And if there, you don't, there's consequences for it. It's a little different. For our audience, um, when someone is mandated, that's kind of like the stigma. That's kind of the belief that like everyone who's in conjunction in the juvenile justice center doing the work or getting services from them, that it's all mandated. What does it look like? What is an unmandated family? What are they doing coming to you? So we don't get those. Okay. I would get that in like if I was a psychologist in private practice. Okay. When I practiced in Chicago, mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone coming on a court order to get my service, right? Mm -hmm. They came because they were in pain mm -hmm. and they wanted help. And here it's a different thing. So you have to take families that are hurting, that have had things happen to them, their child has done something, and you have to motivate them to move towards some change mm. for the family's sake and for the child's sake. Um, and that's hard. That's really, really a hard, um, I would say, barrier sometimes overcome. Um, but what I do like about the five-star program is it's internally kind of motivating within the program. Seth gets up there, and this is genius, I think, gives you a video. He talks to you. He, you come on, 
very challenging but very accepting and you know you're hit with a different viewpoint so to speak and then the kids get a chance to talk about it with adults and they get to write about it and and over time that has a really an impact and that's what i like about it the other piece that i like about it after i understood where your research came from because I was up on where you got some of your ideas from was the fact that the way it's presented has a, has a, what do I call it? A foundation of fidelity. And what do I mean by that? Basically that it's given in a certain way where you're on the video it doesn't change. You record the video. Sure. And the, the lesson is there. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a matter of having some good adults that understand what you talked about and get the kids, facilitate the kids to talk. And the thing is that's been nice for us, I have very good staff that understand your curriculum and can really get that facilitation done. And it has an impact not only on the children, it has an impact on the adults mm. that are, they are delivering it and that are hearing it. And I think that's the big thing. You hit on some, some key things. You talked about the fidelity of the program. Mm-hmm. So you've been in this field of work for how many years? So I was laughing the other day, all total <laughs> at all my jobs. This is my 45th year. Oh. Of working with children and families. That's amazing. So I'm like, boy, I'm getting like, you know, when, when you're getting very gonna, wise. What am I going to call stop? that? You're getting a you're lot getting of wisdom. Wise. Yeah. Yeah. Gained a lot I'm, of wisdom. I'm praying that that actually does happen. <laughs> but you know, it's like, yeah, I was. I've really been blessed with a lot of different situations that I've worked in that I was able to have a piece of helping people make changes in different settings just so happens that my end setting is in juvenile justice, okay? But I didn't start off there, right. okay? And it's kind of fun because I followed this population. It wasn't, it wasn't in the plan. Like, I didn't sign up to work in juvenile justice. Well, you're, you, you didn't go to college to work with no, this population. No. I, I actually, my studies started with a training as a family therapist. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to work with families. Well, working with families, you have to work with youth and children. And I love children. So it was like, this, is, this was almost easy, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, I had some really, very, ex- really good mentors throughout the years. And I was blessed to go to a master's program. I had really good people. Then I worked for a while, went back to a doctoral program. Really good training at the Family Institute at Northwestern University really outstanding people. And then I was put in situations where I could be involved in helping people make change. I love it. We got to take a quick commercial break, but we come back, we're going to dive into, I want to follow up on a couple things you mentioned. Uh, it, on the break, go to fivesterlife.org to learn more. Did you know that you can bring the values, lessons, and mindsets Coach Seth discusses on the Five Star Life podcast to your local community? Schools are searching for programs and content that work. 
Just a simple introduction to your teacher or principal could be a game changer in your community. Inquire at fivestorlife.org and someone from our team will be in touch. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and I am joined in studio with our very own Bree Larson, our curriculum specialist here at Five Star Life. Welcome back, Bree. Love being here. And Dr. Brunsma from the St. Joseph County Juvenile Justice Center. Uh, welcome, Dr. Brunsma. Thank you again. Hey, so, so in the first segment, you mentioned um, one of the things you love about you know integrating Five Star Life into JJC is the fidelity of the program. And you, you, I, I don't want to breeze past that. And you talked about, very gracious about, you know, hearing me in the video across the hall from your office so you know it's happening. Why is the fidelity of, why is the video, you've been doing this for 45 years, you've seen different curriculums, different programs come and go. Uh, why is that fidelity piece unique for Five Star in your, in your opinion? Well, let's, let me define fidelity for you in a certain sense, because fidelity is, are we truthfully delivering what we say we're delivering, okay? And for Five Star, since you're on the video with the lessons, okay, you know it's going to happen time and time again that you'll be able to deliver the message the way you want to deliver it. And a lot of programs... Um, it's delivered by somebody with a PowerPoint or someone sitting around a table, and they might have a co-participator or whatever, a facilitator, and it can change a little bit at a time. Research is very, very clear in terms of providing clinical services or psychological services to people. Sometimes it doesn't really, really the change doesn't depend upon the model, the model, if it's faithfully done, okay, can actually move people in terms of getting the change that they want. So the big thing for a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist is to faithfully deliver the treatment that you want to deliver. And that's very hard to do with human beings, right? Mm. We all have, know that. We, we, all have, we all have stuff. Right. And so that part, is just then it's natural, it's built in. Then what you're actually, so you're providing the proactive piece of presenting the curriculum, and then people are responding to it. And you have adults that care that are actually helping with the discussions around it. And that's, then you're building, you're building more like, what do I say, value into it. I think the value piece is huge, okay? And you don't know where that's going to take you. Some some youth are very insightful, and they connect. Yeah, you know, one lesson to the next, they connect it right. And the adults have a way of connecting it too. So the more you do it, you know, we've been through some cycles now. The more you do it, the better you get with it. But the first piece of it is always faithfully done because you're on the video. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and you talked about the benefits also to the staff that are implementing it. Yes. Address that. Well, <clears throat> there's a certain culture when you're in a structured environment that has to be developed. So in our environment, it's, you know, it's highly structured because we have people coming in, children that have high needs and high risks. 
And so we have to be very sensitive to that. One thing very sensitive to is that uh, we have to be caring, but we also have to not let any um, things outside the norm kind of go on, right? So we can't allow people to be insulting to each other or downgrading to anybody, things like that. It's a very hard thing to do when you throw a bunch of youth together, never met each other, they're in trouble, it's a high anxiety situation, they'll have to go to court, and you have to get them to live together. So, you know, you could do that experiment in your your own families. Just jumble them up and, you know, change a few people you know, have a few relatives yep. stay with a few of the kids and now for do that 21 for a month. days, here we are. <laughs> there you go, right? You, you get some interesting interactions going on. And then think about it that they're coming and going all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, kids come into detention and they're released from detention all the time. We don't know when that's going to happen. Well, for our listening audience, think about, you know, spring break if you went to Florida mm-hmm. with your family. Now think about you're not on vacation and you're st- you're staying in the hotel and that, that that's what happens. Mm. You know, when you go with multiple, multiple, multiple families, that's a little quasi experiment. Now, now think about if everybody was in the middle of trauma, <laughs> now do that again without, uh, you know, yeah. Donald Duck and, and uh, Mickey Mouse and those uh, beach scenes. No matter how good of a family you are, sometimes you get tired of the other person's thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Hey, you just think it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, and so you have to uh, adjust and adapt and things like that. So to answer directly your question on the impact on staff, it's because it impacts culture. Anytime you bring something very important in like your curriculum, which is, I would look at it as very, it's psychoeducational in a lot of ways. It's value-based. It's going to have an effect on the people that are living in that environment. And that's really a huge thing. And if you are wanting to impact people, it's like, how do you broaden that out? Like my, my question to myself, and I think I talked to you about this a little bit or mentioned it, is that, you know, we're impacting the kids in front of us. And I want to see how, how can we get this to impact entire families, mm. which you then know if you impact in families, you're going to impact communities. And uh, our building block in this society are families. Right. And I think, I think the next iteration for you guys, and I just want to put it in your heads, is that... We're going public going to, with this right now here <laughs> on this episode. <laughs> That's right. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure here. Is that you're going to be doing programming with large amounts of families. And um, I think there's models out there that uh, presage you all, that you can learn from, that uh, will really give this another big step up. And you're already doing some of it with our SNAP program. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we can talk a little about that that too, but kind of don't want to take up all the No, no, that's that's exactly where I was going to go because, you know, the Five Still Life SNAP Leadership Program, Mm -hmm. for years we've had... Uh, superintendents, principals ask us the question, what can you do for our parents, right? They recognize the same thing that you recognize, that it's the family system that is struggling. So these kids, they can come into our into our system, but they're going back into a struggling environment and they're bringing that with them to the classroom. 
Yes. And we've never, we've, we never knew exactly what our lane was and what we could do to address that, but we always knew it was something we wanted to address. And so when you challenge us by saying we would like not only for you to you know, bring your curriculum to kids in detention and on probation and to train our staff, we would like you to create a hybrid program for kids that are not yet in, this, in detention so, so that it's for them and their parents. A family program. Yeah, and their family. And so uh, I remember looking at each other thinking, okay, this is, this is, we talked to our team and our, and our executive team and we're like, let's, we're going to try to, we're going to try to honor this request. And it really stretched us, but it's been so powerful. And and we would, we would have never taken this step without your, um, your push and kind of your nudge saying, this is something that you really need to think about. So thank you. Well, I'm thanking you, actually, for trying it. But the, the impact, like if you can really impact a family, okay, that is going to kind of resonate for generations. We see generations, uh, literally, of kids have not had really good influence in their lives. The adults have not done the right things. Um, the sad fact is that if you have a child in trouble, and I will say this, I'll only have to look at what were the adults doing. Sure. And, and not to blame them, but to understand, you know, why is this kid acting the way he is? And it's, it's really difficult, right? Because you know that some of it's generational. Mm. And you have to break some generational... I don't know any way, other way to say it, but curses. Um, or generational it, trauma. Generational trauma, whatever it is. And, and, and that's a good word to use in terms of trauma, but to get people out of the trauma, it's not to leave them in victimhood. And I might be taking a turn on you guys here. I don't want to uh, you know, go too far off, off the beat, but... You know, I'm really skilled. I've, I've been trained a lot in trauma-informed care. Mm. And the one thing that upsets me is that the idea of providing trauma-informed care and trauma-informed treatment is to not leave people in victimhood. Mm-hmm. The idea is to make them overcomers, that they are more than what happened to them, That's right. that they can do more, for, not only for themselves, but for the families. And I think right now as a society, we have really created a victim society. Mm -hmm. We hear this phrase all the time, like, I'm a survivor. And that's great that you have survived something. But I don't want my kids, I don't want my family members, I don't want my friends to just survive. I want them to thrive. I want them to go beyond what they think that they can do and step into this, this future that is beyond what they even imagined. An overcomer. That's yeah. right. Like they want, you want them to see themselves as overcoming. And I really, <clears throat> excuse me, want them to see their whole families overcoming things. We all go through crappy times in our lives. There's no one that gets through life without going through something. Life okay? is hard. It, it can be very, very hard and very disruptive and destroying and things like that. But you got to be able to see a way for yourself to overcome the worst that can happen, okay? And 
you know, and from time to time, know that there are people out there that are caring that will hook up with you to help you go through it, mm-hmm. right? And yep. you, and there's there's supports and that kind of thing. You don't have to live in the same generational crap as your forefathers did. You can do better, and I and I I'm so happy when I see stories of that and hear stories about that. And I always want to know, how did you do it? Mm-hmm. How did you make it? How did you become the overcomer? And I think there's a way to do that when you're presenting curriculum like this, where you provide some thinking and pathways for them to consider. Okay? That's huge. And it helps people change their, first, their value base and their beliefs. And then their, it influences their perspective on life. And I think that's what we really need. And if I wanted to go a little further with this, and I don't know how much time we have here. We, we actually have to take a quick break okay, on this we'll segment. On we'll it. come back and hit this again. Go to fivestarlife.org to learn more, but stay tuned. Five Star Life is a not-for-profit organization dedicated to changing the face of culture by changing kids' mindsets. Since 2005, we've impacted hundreds of thousands of lives thanks to the generous support of individuals, small businesses, corporations, and foundations. Are you interested in helping Five Star Life grow into all 50 states? With your donation or introduction, you can help bring Five Star Life to your community, school, and state. Go to fivestarlife.org and send us an email today. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-L-I-F-E. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and we're continuing our wonderful conversation. I have uh, Coach Bree Larson, our education, uh, our curriculum specialist. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm getting used to these these uh, educational terms with uh, Elkhart detention and juvenile detention. Uh, we also have uh, Dr. Brunsma, the executive director with the JJC of St. Joe County. Welcome to both of you. And uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. Just talking, I think people are on the edge of their seat listening to this. And um, Dr. Brunsma, th- I think he thinks he's challenging the audience in, in the way he's talking about victimhood. But I think a lot of our audience believes the same way. I mean, so many people that I talk to, they, they yes, we want to have empathy for kids, for people, for people in situations and circumstances that are challenged challenging but most of the people I talk to the vast majority they they don't want to stay in victim victimhood they want programs and curriculums that give people hope for something better and, and, and I think that resonates um, we, we were having this incredible conversation but I do I, I want to shift it because you pushed us to start the snap program which is a diversion program for kids who, if they're truant from school, if they run away, they have some minor infraction. Uh, this is div- to divert them from really going full-fledged into something more serious. And it's for the kid and the parent. And I'm going to, you know, Bree uh, runs the SNAP program. It's been amazing to me to watch... Uh, the impact this has had on parents. I was not surprised at all. I knew for 18 years we've been impacting kids, Dr. Brunsma. So I wasn't mm-hmm. surprised that we're going to see good results. Mm-hmm. What I was amazed at was the impact this has had on parents 
and how open parents were. Now, in the first session, they come in, and Bree can attest to this. Arms crossed. <laughs> kind of like what you talked about, Dr. Brunsma. They're mandated to come, so they, they're Have not happy attitude. about it. They don't want to be there. I've had some parents not shake me, shake my hand. You know, you look them in the eye, you interest them, they won't shake your hand. Get a little side eye. <laughs> and so, but by the second night, it's totally different. Yeah. And then they're pumped to walk through the doors, and they're growing. And then... I think it was the third week of the first cohort. Um, the director of probation was calling us saying, hey, we've got a problem. I'm like, oh, boy, we got problems already. <laughs> this isn't good. It's, it's just not started. Good. <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. It's a good problem. I have several POs, probation officers, asking me, hey, parents are requesting that once the six-week program, seven-week program is over, can they re-enroll and continue? And we're like, of course they can. We know the research says the more touches, the more impact we're going to have. So yes. So we've had every cohort, multiple families re-enroll. And so now we're getting to the six-month point with some of these families, which is super exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, statistically about 30% of our families re-enroll, which is amazing. And the parents who come to us, like Seth was saying, arms crossed and they got an attitude. They don't want to be there. Like they're the ones who give you a hug with tears in their eyes at the end. Which, which I don't blame them for having an attitude. I don't either. Like, I wouldn't like, want to be like there on a Wednesday night. My kid got into trouble. Then I'm being drug here yeah. and they've tried this. They've tried mm -hmm. that. It hasn't worked. And this is just another check the box, pro box program that I have to show up to for six weeks. And so I get it. Mm -hmm. um, but it does all change. It's uh, crazy what love can do. Love, relationship, and then taking them on a journey. Yeah. And you're not treating them like they're victims. You're treating them like they're powerful beyond measure. Which they are. Which they are. So, uh, Dr. B, we need to get you out to, to, to we actually have uh, this week, actually next week, we have our award celebration for our, is this cohort number seven? This is cohort number six. Six? Okay. So mm -hmm. we'll have to we'll have to get you out to one of the one of the celebrations, the That'd awards. That'd be nights. really nice. Mm -hmm. uh, we appreciate that. Give us some of your feedback on what you're hearing from your staff on the SNAP leadership program. Well, I'm only hearing good things, <laughs> really. Good. Okay, but I want to just go back to what I think makes the SNAP work, and I think it's needed now more than anything, and it goes back to what we were talking about before. When you get people going in a good direction in terms of relationships, you're, you're attaching them again to each other. If there's one thing we learned about the COVID epidemic is it really hurt attachments. Um, just take our churches. They're saying about a third of the people did not come back to their church mm. after COVID. Uh, our children had a lot of problems um, during COVID because they lost their attachments to their friends and to their teachers, adult, you know, good role models, the teachers in school and things like that. And if you can then think about children that have really had a hard time of having attachments early in life, it's hugely de detrimental, right? So what the SNAP does is it reattaches people mm. to the people in their family, the people that are to care for them the most. That's the thing that makes it work. Mm. So when you want to get past trauma, right, 
when you want to get past that and you be an overcomer, you don't do it on your own. That's right. You attach to good people, right? And that that's that's you don't you don't like train that in a curriculum. You experience that. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, I'll use an example of my two boys. Hopefully, they're not listening. <laughs> but you know, one of them was very much so would talk about things. The other one was. He would, if you did things with him, that was your attachment to him. Right. You didn't have to talk a lot about it. So when you have families that are willing to come out there and be together and just do the same thing together, that creates a lot of attachment. Now, it can, in the beginning, it could create some conflict and friction, right? Awkward. But that's part of relationship, right? Right. When you're getting to know somebody, there, there might be some friction. I don't see it the same way you do. You know, and it's how do you handle that? But in the end, even if I'm disagreeing with you, but I still care about you, I still love you, you know, even though I might disagree or I'm the parent and you will need to do, listen to what I have to say, but I still love you. That's the message that gets across. We had that happen this past leadership day up at Summit. We had exactly what you're talking about happen with a mom and her daughter who came onto our campus angry, like arms crossed, mm-hmm. sitting next to each other, but literally their backs were turned to each other. Just angry. You knew, you could see that they were fighting, tried to reconcile, tried to pull the daughter off to the side. Hey, you want to talk about it? What's going on? Just anger. And about 35, 40 minutes in to the day, we went to our equine barn where we had all of our horses and all this amazing stuff. Um, and their attitudes had completely shifted by the time they got there. Mm -hmm. They were excited. Daughter was taking pictures of mom. Mom was taking (laughs) pictures of daughter. There were big smiles on their faces. Um, And the following week when I saw them, I asked the daughter, I said, what changed? Like, you changed so quickly. Uh, what, What was the change there? And daughter said, well, my mom said, you know, let's just take Coach Bree's advice. Let's leave what happened at the gate. And we'll come in and we'll have an amazing day. And she actually made her daughter, she said, let's have a competition of who can bring the most energy today. And if you bring more energy than me, I'll pay for your date with your boyfriend later on today. I'll pay for it. Okay. So mom really brought brought some heat there. And their uh, energy just changed the whole dynamic of even the day with all the other families just brought the energy for us. It was amazing to see that turnaround, see that connection, that Mm -hmm. attachment to each other. And you know... When they're angry, you know you got some energy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To work with. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to take one more commercial break and come back with the last part of this program with Dr. Brunsman. Five Star Life offers year-round programs for kids at our 350-acre training facility that we call Summit. These programs focus on three core components. First, each program includes lessons from our curriculum that targets kids' mindset. Secondly, Each program teaches a skill like equine, archery, blacksmithing, basketball, fishing, boating, and many more. Thirdly, our programs connect kids to mentors we call coaches who are trained to help kids live a five-star life. Go to fivestarlife.org to learn more or sign up your kids. Welcome back to the Five Star Life Show. I'm your host, Coach Seth, and we are going to wrap up this amazing conversation we've had with our very own Brie Larson, our uh, curriculum specialist here at Five Star Life, educational specialist, and of course, Dr. Brunsma here with the uh, South, uh, actually St. Joe County Juvenile Justice Center. Um, I, I want to 
get through, I think we've roundabout way gone through just about every question on my list mm-hmm. um, regarding kids and the impact Five Life is having. But I, there are some things I, I didn't get to. Talk to me a little bit about this. Um, what do you wish the public knew about the kids that you service and work with? Wow, that's a big question because the perception a lot in the community, because I take all the complaints and all the whatever else comes, is um, sometimes people have a perception that we're too easy or too hard on kids. It doesn't, it doesn't seem to be a mix. However, you know, I think the public has to know that the juvenile justice system in any community is really your, the bottom of your safety net. So when families fail, when the healthcare system fails, when the schools fail, when the mental health system fails, we're the ones that have to basically pick up the pieces. Now, they come to us through, we don't go out there. We're, we're, we're not like you all where we can just go out there and be proactive and those things. We have to wait for a formal police report to come in, um, and then for the prosecutor to charge them, and we have to get them through a certain of legal steps. Uh, and then in the end, then we have to flip around, and then we have to provide services for both the family and the child. It's not the easiest thing to do because um, a lot of people, you know, see us as on the law enforcement side, and then, you know, and then when you have to turn around and be the service side, and you know, and say, well, in the end. Our mission is to help rehabilitate your child and your family. You know, it's difficult. And the other part, part of our mission in terms of creating safety in the community, those two mission points rub up against each other a lot of times. And that's a very complicated, tricky thing to manage uh, on a day-to-day, year-to-year basis. Um, And we're influenced by whatever one else is influenced by, well, what's happening in society? I mean, we're very much impacted right now with the fentanyl overdose issue. Uh, That has really rocked our world a little bit. And we're... Talk about that a little bit. If you look back five years ago, compared to, like, like what are the major changes you're seeing with, with, with kids, families, how that's impacting our community? Well... First of all, it's just that it has been deteriorating for more than five years, is people being able to honestly supervise their children, um, to nurture their children. And in the end, I'll use this word again, attach. Um, A lot of people are overwhelmed by um, not having a partner to help raise their children. I can see that. It has an effect on not only that adult, but their whole family. Um, And they need a lot of assistance. They need people to come alongside of them. Um, Unfortunately for our system, a lot of times, things have happened earlier. I can't redo them, but I wish they would have came earlier to us. But as I said, we're not a proactive system. We're a reactive system. We react to what happens. I think... This gun violence is way out of control. Um, 
And that is really due to the lack of supervision of adults, of their children. And that's a hard thing for people to hear because we get very political about this and people get really upset and everything. And we can have a talk about gun control until the cows come home. But what it basically comes down to is adults really taking ownership over their family and their children and knowing what their children are doing. And that's the bottom line. And you have to really think about putting in time and effort and that attachment time into your children. And if you're not attached in that way, then you're not going to know what Johnny is doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And as they grow older and adolescents need to separate and individuate from their parents, of course, you give them more freedom as they can handle it. And as you know that they're being responsible and honest and, you know, things. Not that they won't make mistakes. And believe me, I'll be the first person to say I've made many mistakes in my life. But you have to learn from your mistakes. Right. And the only one that helps you learn from your mistakes are the people's clo- people That's closest right. to you. Yeah. And it has to be a responsible adult. And whether it's a parent or a teacher or, you know, some mentor or whatever, someone has to really help a child. And one adult needs to be loving and caring towards a child to get them to that adulthood. It's this idea of accountability. And we teach this to our families every week at SNAP. We say, hey, this is your challenge for the week. Mm -hmm. You get to hold each other accountable. And a lot of our kids in SNAP are teenagers or some of them are even older teens. And it's this level of you have accountability to each other. Mm-hmm. Parents, hold your kids accountable. Yes. Kids, hold your parents accountable. But that's a really hard message, Bray. It is. In a society, it's become way too permissive of things. Yeah. Way too permissive. And then, then where does the account, where do you draw the line? Where is the accountability? Where is the discussion of where the line is to begin with? And it seems like we're on a trajectory more of in the society of regression rather than progression. And in order for that to happen for us, we do need adults to step up and say, this is the values we want our kids to live by. This is where we believe they're going to become successful adults if we teach them these things. And you only get that when you're in a relationship with someone when you're attached in a relationship with somebody. And we have a hard time with that in this society. We have a really hard mm-hmm. time basically because no one's attaching in a lot of ways and they don't want to commit the attachments. Yeah, w- well said. And that's why we need people to step up. That's why we talk about going to fivestarlife.org to signing up to, to be a volunteer, to be a mentor, to be a coach, to volunteer with the SNAP program. Everybody wants to point the fingers. I mean, we mm-hmm. we just lost one of our own, um, Tian Horston, and it's just heartbreaking. And everybody, everybody wants to get political and point uh-huh. the finger. And I just told everybody Saturday, I said, listen, we are the solution right here. We, we are the solution. We've got just about 40 seconds left. Last question. What do you wish the public knew, Dr. Brunzema, about Five Star Life? Well, I think one thing everyone needs to know, it's a really good curriculum, but behind the curriculum is very good values. And if you listen to it, you will, you will hear the love that's in it. And that's what makes it go. 
Well said. I just want to uh, wrap this up by just acknowledging um, I wanted to get I'm going to have to bring you back on because I wanted to get into more of your background and some of what shaped you um, because you are having such a massive influence and there's so much uh, you know dialogue about JJC and I, I wanted to bring you on so people could hear uh, your heart and your passion and, and the culmination of 45 years working with people and you're making a huge mark and I just want to acknowledge the influence you're having and it's growing and I we're honored to be working that. with you. I appreciate that. At Five Star Life, we are changing the face of culture through education and sports by changing the most important piece of a human being's life, their mindset. If you are interested in being a part of our journey, please visit fivestarlife.org for more information on volunteer and donation opportunities.